Blog Talk Radio.
fighting to keep us healthy from COVID, and that's the doctors, the nurses, the auxiliary people at the hospitals, the EMTs, and all the first responders. We absolutely appreciate each and every one of you. Um, tonight, uh, I'm going to start the program with a, a little uh, note, uh, much happier than some of the notes that we've started with. Uh, on the 13th of this month, Mr. Caden uh, J. Carroll uh, will become uh, a full-fledged teenager at 14, and uh, he's uh, he rip-roaring and ready to go, and uh, God help Casey, she's got uh, now four teenagers, uh, with Trevor becoming out of that, he's going to be 20 this year, but uh, uh, three of the boys uh, are working uh, full-time, uh, as well as going to school, and uh, Caden is a uh, was my sous chef on um, uh, Easter. Um, he uh, he helped us. Uh, we had a brunch because uh, some of the boys had to work, and uh, we had. Uh, he was my sous chef and did a heck of a job. So, Caden, happy birthday! Was he? It's, I'm, I know you did. Uh, uh, you're making a special effort tonight uh, to be with us, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, Bob is. Uh, our, not only our, um, let's see, um, MMA uh, um, aficionado, he's also our fishy aficionado. Um, Bob, <laughs> you want to talk about uh, your big catch today? Oh, yeah. You know, it, it really puts, uh, you know, we're, we're pursuing the sailing thing, and, you know, everyone knows that. You know, we went out sailing today with my daughter and her uh, some, well, we'll just call all our family out today and threw the pole in and I don't know, had about a four or five inch size bait fish down there. And, uh, apparently, uh, another fish about the same size thought that was, that was a good enough meal and came up and bit the second hook. And I pulled it in and I had two little four inch, you know, four or five inch little bait fishes. Oh, the wife's giving me at least seven inches, you know, all right. So uh, I, I like when the when the when she adds inches, you know. So uh, apparently it was a whopper, you know. Hauled that in, so uh, the Pacific Ocean is fished out for the day. Everyone just reeled up. <laughs> Hi, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, have a question. Greetings, for you. greetings, greetings, all. Greetings, all. Yes, sir. Did, uh, did you happen to see the uh, the Algeria Povetkin fight? Oh, you well, uh, yeah, that fight was years ago. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. remember that fight. He he uh, just outmaneuvered Povetkin. Um, Povetkin obviously is a you know was a tremendous pressure fighter. Both guys are retired mm-hmm. now. Algeria's actually uh, been kind of one of the go-to guys among boxers as a nutritionist. He was a nutritionist mm-hmm. for Danny Jacobs. Um, so he's been doing that. Povetkin has been teasing to come back for the last four or five years, but uh, mm-hmm. he's yet to make the move. Yeah, they they had the uh, they had the, re- the review of the uh, fight, um, a rerun, I should say, of the fight today. And I don't know if you had uh, seen that or not. But uh, oh yeah, the, the I, one I, I was thought that was entertaining, very entertaining fight. Yeah, and, and Chris Algeria actually had to survive a heck of a first round and a very very swollen eye. The, for the mm-hmm. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah. He got dropped Defective. in the first round, am I correct? I believe I he got dropped right. in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, up until the 11th round, it was a pretty even fight. Uh, but uh, Algeria uh, 
Algeria came on in that uh, last round and uh, just uh, proved himself to be the better man at that point. But, uh, I personally didn't think the fight was as close as the cards mm-hmm. indicated. I never felt right. that way. I thought Chris, Chris, I thought it was extremely highly competitive, but I thought Chris mm-hmm. Algieri won pretty, pretty convincingly, pretty clearly. Um, mm-hmm. But at the time, going into the fight, uh, Provitnikov was the house fighter. He was the guy, and I thought he got the benefit of the doubts on the cards to make the scores mm-hmm. very close. But I thought Chris Algieri won uh, his fair share of rounds pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the other f- uh, fight that was live uh, this afternoon was uh, Abani Bridges uh, uh, against uh, Shannon uh, Sweet Baby uh, Courtney, and uh, yeah, both of them are very attractive women, uh, and you wonder what the hell they're doing in the ring. But uh, and I guess there was uh, for the last couple of weeks a lot of smack talk back and forth, and uh, evidently uh, Courtney. Uh, really took a tour this afternoon and uh, won the fight. Uh, I don't know if uh, you guys had No, I didn't see that. Or... Was that over in the U.K.? Was that on the uh, Conor yeah. Samuel Vargas undercard? I didn't, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that mm-hmm. fight. I, 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 I stopped working for a, a second catch mm-hmm. Samuel Vargas Conor Ben, but I didn't get a chance to see the uh, mm-hmm. the undercard. Yeah. All right. Now, you know you know, I'm going to ask this question because he's, he's your uh, – what happened to the jackal last week? Oh, Jamel, Jamel Herring. You, you know, yeah. that's funny. I was really 50-50 on that fight. The big thing going in was that Carl Frampton is not a 130-pounder. You know, he made his bones at 122. Um, he had some good wins at 126, but he was undersized at 126. You know what I mean? And, and that, that, that's where he all of a sudden lost to um, – to Josh Warrington, who just got destroyed by this, this unknown Mexican kid, but he lost to Josh Warrington. At 126, he was stretching the limits of his weight. That was probably his maximum weight class. He went to 130 because he wanted to be the first Irish fighter, Irish man, I should say, right. to win three titles. Uh, right. And he chose the guy that is perceived. Jamel Herring was perceived as the most vulnerable titleist. Even though he has tremendous height and reach for the weight class, he was perceived as the most vulnerable titleist at that weight. So it was mm-hmm. it was you know strategic a uh, strategic you know chance Carl Frampton was taken, but ultimately he couldn't close distance. Mm-hmm. You know the funny thing is I'm watching a fight about 18 mm-hmm. seconds. I think it was exactly 18 seconds before he got dropped. I said to myself, he's going to sit Carl Frampton down. I saw it coming. Mm-hmm. I said he's going to catch Carl Frampton with a straight left, and he's going to sit him down. And sure enough, mm-hmm. he sat him down. Now, the next round, when he caught him with uppercut, oh, I didn't think Carl mm-hmm. Frampton was going to get back up. So kudos to Carl Frampton for, for being tough and for trying. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this stage in his career, you know, he's, he's a little longer in the tooth. And he had planned on retiring. He said no matter what happened. But at this stage in his career and at that weight, it was a big ax for him to beat a Jamal Herring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of the most, one of the most dangerous – one of the most dangerous things in boxing is when an older guy is moving up in weight. And what it tends to happen is the older guy has, is the one with the big name. And he usually goes up to wait and wait to fight one of the premier guys. 
And mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, you're going to have a younger premier guy in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that and that there, it, it becomes, you know, a bit dangerous because it's always that one day that, you know, the guy's going to come in and just not going to be quite as, you know, that you're going to, those skills, are, you know, are going to erode to the point of where you could be getting damaged. Mm-hmm. What's interesting yeah. about what Zito is saying is, is Jamel Herring chronologically is actually older than Carl Frampton. Carl Frampton's 34, Jamel Herring's 35. Jamel Herring's mm-hmm. older than Frampton. However, in boxing years, he's a lot younger than Carl Frampton. He's a lot fresher than Carl Frampton. Carl Frampton has more wear and tear on his body in boxing years. So he, so Zito's right that Carl Frampton was the older fighter in experience and in boxing years. Mm-hmm. He thought his experience would actually win him. But chronologically, he was actually the younger fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, All right, Bob, and, you've, and, been, uh, yeah. you've been very quiet out there. Well, uh, I'm here. <laughs> he's ready to talk about Holland Vittori. That's what he's ready to talk about. Yeah, I, I know that. That's, what do you think? Holland Vittori? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you watch? No, you were on the boat. You didn't see how you know the UFC had a card, uh, main card today that started at three. Yeah, well, yeah, we were uh, me and Frank were talking about that today, and um, or before the show started. Like, I don't know if he's doing like a uh, uh, a pay per view over in Abu Dhabi. Like, I get when they have the fights over in Abu Dhabi, we have like twelve o'clock start times for the UFC. So, but why when they're at the UFC Apex, they're going to do like a started at ten a.m. Like that just throws off all the the fighters' time days, right? <laughs> Everything, you know. So yeah, they they. Um, and then, so, uh, Vittori versus Holland, uh, I guess he got the decision. I, again, I think, uh, Kevin Holland's been around for a while. He might be on that chopping block. Um, a couple fights before them, uh, smiling Sam Alvey, uh, lost to a submission. So, oh, again, that was a brutal submission too. Brutal choke. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, I was on the boat. Oh, oh really? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I was able to stop and watch some of the main card. Brutal choke. Brutal. Okay. I mean, he hurt him. Hurt him on the feet first. And, yeah. and when Alvy tried to scramble and go for a takedown, man, he put a choke in on him. It was, it, I mean, just put him straight to sleep. Brutal. Yeah. So, uh, again, no, no, no clue why he he had a you know 10 a.m. start time for the early pre-in, but uh, or actually yeah, they started early. I mean, 30 in the morning. I mean, you, yeah, these guys are going to having breakfast or doing their morning run by then. Maybe you know they're not used to yeah. just, you know competing at 8:39 in the morning. But what I do know is the main card came on ABC. So you remember back in the in the late seventies, early eighties, they would have the live boxing. I remember watching Muhammad Ali fight somebody on Saturday afternoon boxing, worldwide sports. So they had it on ABC at three o'clock. So maybe they're trying to reintroduce that. Uh, from a mixed martial arts perspective, that's that's the only thing I was thinking. Because I woke up this morning, I you know have all my my day planned, and I go online real quick and I say, let me see the start time of this card, just to see if it's a ten o'clock start time or eight p.m. Uh, yeah. Who knows? A couple of days ago, I see three o'clock. I, I call Zito and I'm like, hey dude, if you want to watch the fight, it's at three o'clock. You know what I mean? So, and that's three o'clock yeah. East Coast time. That's Eastern Standard East time. So it's twelve yeah, o'clock your time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, early freelance start at ten thirty this morning, uh, uh, West Coast time. So yeah, yeah, that's early, man. You know, but hey, you gotta you gotta do what you t- can do to get on the box of Wheaties. So whatever. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 
Yeah, but then last week was good, too. I mean, last week was the UFC 260. Um, that was a pretty good card. Um, early pre-rims, um, you know, a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, but we had Mark Andre uh, Barriott versus Abu uh, Azatar. Uh, that Azatar looked super tired first, second, third round. I don't think he – I mean, you know, I think it was his debut. Uh, welcome to the big leagues, all i got to say to him. you got to come in with some cardio, Bubba. Um, a couple more decisions, and then we got into uh, uh, Khabib's buddy, um, that Abukar Nurmagomedov. I can't pronounce it. Nurmagomedov, whatever. Against Jared Gooden. Um, the cool part uh, against uh, Abukar is, you know, he's trying to do that uh, Khabib thing too, and he's, he's he's phenomenal on the ground. So that's always his go-to. But for the first two rounds, he kept it on his feet and actually beat the guy on his feet. And then in the yeah. third round, just took him and grounded pounded and took him down and, and manhandled him. Um, but then work, working our way forward, a couple of KOs. Um, you know, uh, J- Jamie Malarkey. <laughs> Jamie Malarkey yeah. got KO'd. I'm sorry, these names. I, I can't go for it. <laughs> a bunch you know? of malarkey. Yeah, it like a, a bunch, bunch of malarkey. malarkey. <laughs> yeah. And then... <laughs> <laughs> then uh, uh, Sean O'Malley got a KO on Thomas Almeida. Um, Sean yeah. was on point, in that 86 significant out of 91 uh, uh, strikes thrown. Um, when Almeida good. only landed 25 of 71, two knockdowns. Man, man this was brutal. Um, was the other guy just didn't have the hands to compete. Um, then we get up to the top there, and and then uh, and the new. Heavyweight champion, Mr. Francis Nugana, right? Um, mm-hmm. Ended up taking it to Keepy. Uh, Miochik, 52 seconds in round two. Big boom, big kaboom. Uh, he's mm-hmm. down and out. Um, so, and again, uh, Nugano, just like we were talking about, he doesn't want to go for the trilogy. He wants to go right after John Jones. So, mm-hmm. um, and they'll throw Jones in there. Jones is coming, uh, coming back. And, uh, He's not even ranked number 10 at this point, but they'll give him a number one title shot right off the bat just because of his name. So that'll be moving forward. Last week wasn't bad. Well, this week was early. Well, we got next week to work forward to. But lots of well, stuff brewing. I know John Jones isn't talking like he's ranked number 10 as far as financially. He wants big money. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the problem right now. Dana White is, is, has already – uh, try to move forward with the uh, Naganu Derek Lewis Black Beast Lewis fight. Yeah. Um, Naganu after uh, he won the title, he said he'd be ready to come back July or August. Uh, he was approached to fight Derek Lewis in June, and he declined. Obviously, he said he wanted to come back July or August. So that looks like if the financial situation is not straightened out between John Jones and the UFC, then you will probably. In fact, it will absolutely be Nagano in the cage against Derek Lewis in a rematch of their stinker from a few years mm. ago when Lewis was few years back, gun, right? and, gun and lung shy after the Stipe loss. So, uh, and that's what's going on. And, that, and, that's, and that's a fight right now that I think would be extremely hot in a uh, heavyweight yeah. position. Yep. And, again, they're just going to go for the money. I mean, instead of set up the trilogy, no one really wants to see that right away. They'll save that on the back burner, put this one forward, uh, because John Jones is arguing about getting paid. Um, and then, you know, then they'll always have the Jones thing to come right out of the woodwork at any given time. 
they'll save the trilogy against uh, Miokic. Um, after probably after, after uh, Steepy has to fight one or two guys or something, I don't know, but we'll see. And, and you know, Nagano, if he goes ahead and beats Derek Lewis, he, he basically cleared out the top five. The only guys he would have left would be the guys that are kind of coming up, which is Ciro Gane right. and and Alexander Volkov. Like those are the only guys left. He's basically beating everybody, kind of like Marvin Hagler. He beat everybody on the way to the title. Um, so, you, you know, literally the only guys that would be left if you were to go ahead and, and fight and beat a Derek Lewis would be a Cyril Gandhi or, or a Volkong. And the fact of the matter is John Jones is the biggest fight out of all of them um, financially yeah. and event-wise. That's why you know, Nagano would like that fight. Legacy-wise as well. So. Okay. Well, let me ask you on uh, – uh, Bellator 256, you got Bader and uh, Machada. What's your thoughts on that one, Bob? So that was um, last night. Yeah, I watched it was last night. Yeah, it, it, it yeah. went exactly like uh, like the fight today with Colin and Vittori went. Uh, the, the striker came out pretty quick and aggressive. Machida had an awesome first round. Uh, by the middle yeah, of the second great. round, Ryan Bader said, hey, you know what? I'm a divisional, uh, Division A1 wrestler. And that was the yeah. fight. Took him down and, and basically for three for, for the rest of the fight. Just, yeah, had, yeah, just kept him down. Same thing with Vittori happened with Holland. Holland came out at the beginning of the first round, looked pretty good. By the end of the first round, he was on his back. And uh, yeah. that's the thing. Machida at this stage was able to neutralize wrestling with physicality. Uh, right. of, um, I, I was actually surprised that Bader wasn't able to stop him, so I credit Machida for sneaking defense and toughness. Uh, but he may be lighting Bader up on the feet uh, until, until you know, Bader took him down, and that was that. Yeah, Machida brings that Shotokan karate to the table. You know what I mean? He's one of those – I mean, uh, I go over it in, all the time – um, when you've got, I guess, that L stance, you know, your, your, your heels are, are on a straight line. There's no side-to-side balance, you know, um, and, and, but they're more, you know, just for that frontal assault. But, man, they can throw some serious axe kicks, some question mark kicks. I mean, uh, uh, Machida is, is, is a great stand-up fighter. But, again, you get, you know, it's a fish out of water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. call it MMA, you know, for a reason. you yeah. gotta, you got to have a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, I was okay on the ground when I got there, but, like, I had zero takedown defense. I was horrible at that, you know, but I, I prefer everything on my feet anyway. Um, so that was always me trying to fight and get back up, or if the submission was there, it was there. But, again, you gotta you got to kind of be well-rounded because, you know, you got these phenomenal strikers that go in with no ground game whatsoever, and they can make an exciting fight and work their way up, but then somebody's going to get them on the ground. I mean, it's just – it just comes down to it. Those wrestlers, like, back in the day, you had the jiu-jitsu. Uh, I was walking, like, UFC 1 through 10 the other day, um, you know, just on, on uh, UFC Fight Pass there and seeing some old stuff. And, you know, and, and uh, Gracie did great on the ground, showing everyone the jiu-jitsu. Then the wrestlers uh-huh. came in and accommodated. It wasn't until uh, my coach, Maurice Smith, went out and knocked out uh, uh, Mark Coleman and stuff and put the, yeah, the strikers back on the map. Then it was kind of the well-rounded thing. But, uh yeah, I mean, if you don't have a good ground game and, and you go against a wrestler, uh, it's like all of our fans out there, you know, we get a lot of questions all the time, like, what's the best, you know, martial art for my six-year-old to go into? Well, if your six-year-old's got discipline issues, 
send them to karate and stuff like that. Then get the yes sirs, the no sirs, the bowing down, yep, the respect. The you don't want to, you know, you you don't want to teach them, you know, submission attempts and stuff at six. No, without if they're crazy. Not at thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. might as well give us a loaded yeah. gun. You know what I mean? But for mm-hmm. all of our parents out there, just get your kids in the, in in school wrestling. It's a great place to start. You know, great place, great fun, uh, fundamentals. Um, because wrestling will keep them safe going out through the, the rest of their lives. Um, and then after that, branch into the, the stand-up boxing or going to jiu-jitsu, something like that. But, you know, wrestling, I think, is a great base for anyone to start in. Mm-hmm. Do you guys okay. remember when Machida uh, first knocked out Rashad Evans, won the title, mm-hmm. and because the style was so elusive, they said the Machida era had begun. And then he right. fought Shogun Rua. And, I said, oh, and that's one of my... Oh, that is one of my favorite fights because I studied Muay Thai. And, you know, you talk about that bladed stance, that L stance. And Shogun, would, instead of retreating when Machida would, would dart in, he would collapse. He would tighten up and leg kick. He would collapse yeah. the pocket and leg kick. So, yeah. you know, it's funny because the one thing that this whole experience of mixed martial arts has told you is that there's always a counter. There's always a counter to the different arts. Wrestling to me, and I think everyone knows this, wrestling is is the is the dominant art to a lot of times dictate where the fight takes place. But you get a guy who has developed that anti wrestling, like a Chuck Liddell when he was in his prime. Couldn't take him down. Could not take him down. Well, then all of a sudden, it was a striker's world. And just the way, you know, you, you talk about Maurice Smith knocking out Marco Coleman, that was the beginning of the evolution of the anti-takedown defense and keeping yeah. it on the feet and recognizing that, you know what, all these wrestlers are going to throw a big right hand and shoot a double leg. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it's been really interesting being the age we are and for us watching it develop Bob, for you being a part of its development, I think it's just it's awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, because I, I I love watching how the the sport has grown, uh, or grown in in just the years. Because like I remember seeing the first couple of UFCs and and then seeing uh, Kimbo holding uh, uh, Hoist's hair and stuff like that, or Hoist holding Kimbo's oh, yeah. hair, you know, and yeah, like, that Kimo, was actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the day after that yeah. is when I went out and shaved my head. Like, ain't no one doing wow. that to me, you know, because <laughs> I came out of the country with a straight mullet, you know, business up front, party in the back. I was wrecking the show, <laughs> you know. That's what they call the mullet. That's what they call the mullet. Business up front, right? party in the back. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's great to see the evolution. And then the boxing commission got in and, broken and that's why you know these up up and cumber fighters these days complain about you know a pro fight being five five minute rounds or their their debuts being three threes or you know uh, uh three ones and i'm like you know we used to fight for a half hour straight have to fight two or yeah. three guys a night for the victory mm-hmm. so tournaments were brutal yeah brutal Especially back then with the time limits, right? You know, it was the rounds. So, yeah, I mean, the sport has really evolved. It got codified, right? And that's what happens. When when ultimately you want to take it into the mainstream, it has to become codified. That's that's just same thing happened uh, from Oregon to Muay Thai. All Muay Thai is codified, a codified ancient battlefield art. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what happens. 
Hey, hey Bob, what, what do you think of uh, uh, Valerie uh, Lourdes uh, uh, coming up uh, on uh, Bellator? Yep. Well, she's coming off a uh, uh, a KO victory um, on her last fight. I don't think she's fought in a year. Um, what a doll face! Uh, Twenty two years old. Um, a lot of a lot of women, you know, look up to her and say, you know, hey, you know, you're doing great or whatever. I mean, she's got some a good fan base behind her, but they they matched her up against uh, Hannah Guy, uh, and that'll be her uh, debut, pro debut for both of them in Bellator. Um, and then uh, that's Bellator 258, May 7th. Um, she's 3-0 and right now. She's looking good, you know, and she's another one of those pretty faces. So she'll get some great sponsorship mm-hmm. if she keeps on keeping on like she is. Um, but, yeah, it's always great to have a, a good role model in either the guy or girl division, you know, uh, mm-hmm. versus someone that's, you know, running people off the road and, you know, pregnant ladies mm-hmm. and stuff like that or smashing old guys Couldn't over talking bottles. about Pico Graham, John Jones himself. <laughs> Pico Graham. Hey, but here's one for you, man. I've been, I've been biting the bullet on there or, or you know, Chomping at the bit to say this one. So, a um, couple of big news. April 1st, this is not an April Fool's joke, uh, Cage Fury Fighting Championship, okay, or the CFFC. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, but a uh, kid named uh, Katag Plev okay, uh, versus Devin Goodall. And somewhere in the second round uh, that Katag Plev, or known as the Lion, yeah. he suffered a yeah. grotesque injury. Yeah. <laughs> okay, comes back to the corner, and 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 let me let me use the quote from CM Punk, who was the commentator. Um, but anyway, basically came back uh, to the corner with nine fingers. Okay, and, yeah. and CM Punk says it what it wasn't a break, wasn't a compound fracture, wasn't a dislocation or a laceration. His finger was just gone. <laughs> okay, it was off, so, so completely Whoa. gone. Uh, they shut it down for a while. They, I guess they even had ca- uh, cameramen looking under the cage, looking all around uh, after this yep. big thing. Dude's finger was just gone. Uh, after some more uh, searching, they ended up finding it still in the glove. Okay. So, oh, yep. I don't know. So his finger somehow Bobby completely escaped. <laughs> yep. I wake up that morning. I wake up the next morning. I go into my MMA news, and what's the first thing I see? A picture of this damn ripped off finger. Not how I was trying to, the first thing I was trying to see. Like, I, how, I, that I was my introduction to what happened. I was like, what is this? <laughs> Finger in glove. Oh, hilarious! I mean, not hilarious for him, but you know, looking out like that's kind of great. Uh, not like I accidentally saw it. I I had, and I haven't seen it since. I accidentally saw it the one time, and I was that fine line between comedy and tragedy. You know, it's a very yeah. That was that was was just nasty. And then in other good news, uh, our, our buddy, uh, uh, coached by um, uh, Matt Hume, uh, one FC or one championship, um, Demetrius Johnson just got yeah. his first knockout. Well, he got knocked out uh, first time yes, ever by Adrano yeah. Uh, Murat. Yeah. So, and, so, and Demetrius did, says did he's in no hurry fight? for a rematch. I did not get to see it. No, Ty. Good. So, so you know the one thing about one is they have this rehydration clause, right? Uh-huh. Mm. And so 
guys are only allowed to dehydrate so much and cut so much weight. It's just like this, they have this little funky system, right? So the guys coming from UFC, Eddie Alvarez, Demetrius Johnson, whenever you see them fight their opponents, they are dwarfed typically because the, these guys are, you know, again, so the flyweight, flyweight is not 125 over there, which is, is what it is in the UFC. I forget what the weight is, but it's not 125 over there. It may, it may be like 135 because of this rehydration club. So I was watching this fight. As soon as the, I was like, man, this is a big dude, Demetrius, this fight. You know what I mean? And then the other thing, too, is remember when Aljamain Sterling got a legal knee by Peter Yan in the face and won yeah. the title that way? So there was a lot of debate in the MMA community about whether knees should be allowed to, uh, you know, to a grounded opponent. Well, you know, in one, they allow knees uh-huh. to a grounded opponent. Yep. Demetrius Johnson, when Aljamain Sterling won the fight, Demetrius Johnson said, well, that's what has to happen. However, they should allow knees to a grounded opponent. That's why I like one. So he's fighting right. this guy. The guy catches him with an uppercut that drops him. Demetrius goes to get up. Boom. The guy catches him with a knee to the ground. Yeah, to the down the point, yeah. After, so after the fight, cool. they asked Demetrius Johnson. He said, you know, I still like the rule set, though. He said, I still prefer this rule set. But, uh, yeah, he got knocked out in the second round. And Alvarez lost. Eddie Alvarez lost by disqualification. Yeah. He repeated strikes to the back of the head. Huh. You know, you're talking about the the um, the kick, um, um, there's a, there's a, there is a big push, uh, both in the trades and uh, uh, within the association, to try and uh, uh, cut that out because uh, they thought that that uh, Yang kick was uh, uh, so nasty. Um, so I, I don't know whether that gives much uh, bearance to it or what, but uh, it sure looks like. Uh, um, well, it's completely been, illegal and. and- it's completely illegal in, in, in the States. Uh, and I forget what the, uh, the codified rule book is called for MMA in the States, but it's completely illegal in North America. One is a, is a Japanese promotion. So it's, it's, yeah, it's Japanese. I was thinking Chinese. But one is, a, is a, no, it's Thai. It's a Thai, 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 Thai promotion, Thai. I believe. Yeah. yeah, one is a Thai promotion. So one in, in East Asia, they have a different rule set. Right, so knees to a ground opponent are, are legal, and and pride they had stomps. They do similar to pride, you know yeah. I mean? But yeah, I remember that, and and I think one at one time, I don't know if they still have it, but they used to allow soccer kicks. Yeah, to the I thought opponent. they did. I think they, I think they uh might have still. Do they have still have it? Still have I don't. I don't. I, I think I yeah, read. I, it, I read uh, something about that with Demetrius Johnson. That was old school pride. You could straight soccer kick a dude when he was down. That was crazy. One either still has soccer kicks or they had it until recently. So, yeah. Um, it's just different, a different rule set over there. They go by a different codified rule book. So. Hey, Ty, uh, Top Rank is uh, trying to take uh, its uh, show on the road. They're, they've got an event uh, set up in Vegas. Uh, where they're setting up a bubble-type operation with, for uh, Jose Ramirez and uh, Josh Taylor and, and uh, uh, Devin Haney and uh, uh, Jorge Linares. Um, what's your thoughts on both those fights? 
first, first of all, those are both fantastic fights. Looking forward to both of those fights. For Haney, it's his first true step up. He's taking on a grizzled veteran who he was supposed to be in Yorkis Gamboa. This is closer to a 50-50 fight. Not that it is at this stage in weight for Jorge Linares. Jorge is a little longer in the tooth, and his probably best weight was at 126. However, he did win a title at 135. He was extremely competitive with Lomachenko just a few years back, and he looked good. He always looks good offensively. Jorge's problems, he's just a little at this uh, – he's always just been a little not durable, not, you know, just not durable. That's his problem is durability. And uh, the big thing for him, though, is Haney's not a big puncher. Haney's best punch is the jab. So it's going to be a very interesting fight. Haney at his youth and age and size, just a hair too quick on the trigger, beat Jorge Linares to the punch, but it's a very interesting fight. The Josh Taylor-Jose Ramirez fight is for supremacy. It's really the final of the Super Six in which Josh Taylor beat Regis Progre and um, Jorge Linares. Hernandez beat Franchek. Um, but what happened since then is that, uh, you know, the COVID and things changed. So they're finally having that unification for, for supremacy, the ring title at 140. Josh Taylor is the favorite going in, but you can't count out Jose Ramirez. So very, both very interesting fights. Mm-hmm. Good. See? Um, I definitely agree with uh, Ty with the Josh Taylor and um, – Ramirez fight. Uh, Taylor, I favor Taylor. I favor Taylor, but Taylor has to be careful. I mean, you know what I mean? Taylor, you, you know, you're fighting a guy who beat Branchick, and Branchick as, I mean, just going back to that, as. as I'm sorry, he didn't beat Branchick. Taylor beat Branchick, you know. I'm sorry. Oh, I yeah, forgot I'm who Ramirez right beat. I forgot who Ramirez um, beat. Taylor, Taylor beat Progray and Branchick. I forgot who Ramirez beat. I'm sorry. No, you know what? Ramirez wasn't in a tournament. Taylor won a tournament by beating Progray. And Ramirez wasn't in a tournament. Yeah, Ramirez wasn't in a tournament. Taylor and Progray met in the finals. Taylor won. Ramirez was the top rank. Taylor wasn't at the time. Ramirez was fighting on the side. He fought, knocked out Maurice Hook. And that's how he became the unified title. So that's right. He was in a tournament. I do apologize. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'm, but style-wise, I mean, Taylor has to be careful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Taylor's going to have to be careful. Um, mm-hmm. With Linares and Haney, hey, we're going to see what Haney's armor is built like a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because one thing Linares is good at, he's he's good at touching on this guy. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember a fight where Linares really hasn't touched on this guy, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I mean, he's fought Lomachenko. He touched all, touched all over Lomachenko for a little bit. Um, Linares does have durability issues. Always did. Uh, mm-hmm. Haney, he won't put hands on he's not the hard, he won't put balls on. Yeah, Haney, Haney, he he can be sharp, but he's not a hard hitting guy. And mm-hmm. really, I mean, I think Haney would do better against aggression. Size-wise, they match up to me. They match up kind of evenly, but I just—I mean—I think it's gonna—it's it, it, a real truth teller, and yeah, it's gonna be interesting with the cards say to me because I can see it 
being more even than the cards are going to give on to. Being his hand, he's the younger, he's the headlining guy. I could see him getting a little love on the cards and through the announcements and the commentators. Because Ramirez is a guy that if you're not going to put any hurt on him, you're not really going to return. And Haney's not a guy who's, you know, to me, really is going to put hurt on him. So, but we'll say, you know, fights make people. Tend to agree with you. Tend to agree with you. The thing about that's interesting about Josh Taylor and, and Jorge Ramirez is Josh Taylor is, is the taller, longer guy. And he fights yeah. very well at range. He's a sniper. The thing about Jorge Ramirez, though, is Jorge Ramirez is not the biggest puncher, but he's the kind of guy who puts constant pressure on him and will outwork him ultimately beat you down. And Josh Taylor's problem with this fight is Josh Taylor is trying to do a slug fest. Baranchek, who's wild and not organized like Jorge Ramirez, was able to drag Josh Taylor to a, a slug fest. Now, Baranchek paid for it often at times. Um, nonetheless, though, you know, that's the one thing about Josh Taylor. He doesn't always keep the clean to beat. And he can ultimately end up, through a lot of that fight, fighting Jorge Ramirez's fight, and being outworked to a decision, I really, I, I, I mean, but you got to lean towards him because he is the more versatile, talented guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right now, you know, we've danced around a, a lot of things here, but tonight is a big fight. You get uh, Joe Smith Jr. against uh, Maxim Valsel. Um In fact, that should be going on in about an hour. What's your thoughts on that one? Bobby Vlasov's the guy who came down from cruiserweight and, and has had you know tremendous success at light heavyweight. He's proven to be very durable. I mean, he withstood you know shots from some big punches at cruiserweight. Um, with that said, as you know, when you lose, when you lose weight, you also tend to lose a little bit of durability too. And Joe Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first of all, I got to give Joe Smith credit. Joe Smith came, you know, when he came upon prominence, he was looked at as a blue-collar brawler. But Joe Smith has added more wrinkles to his game. Um, he's become mm-hmm. more adept at pressure fighting and cutting off the ring than he used to be. Now, he's, now he proved against a Dimitri Bivol that he wasn't ready for that level of a technician. Mm-hmm. But when he fought Jesse Hart, he also recognized that even though I'm not ready for that level of technician, Jesse Hart's not that level of technician. But he also oh. fought with a more with a more intelligent sense of urgency. Joe Smith had a tendency to kind of stand and wait at times. He stopped doing that, and he started using his gifts. He still fights within himself, and he still an explosive punch. Um, he's been on really good form lately. I'll be, uh, probably, I would say, you know, Bernard Hopkins was, was had fought two years and was kind of passed, let's be honest. His best two wins of his career have come in the last two fights. There's Jesse Hart, who was in his prime, and the latter Alvarez, who's a little bit out of his prime but had just fought for the title. So uh, Joe Smith is really on good form. Last off, to give him some trouble because, you know, he, he's the guy who moves and punches at angles and will use his range. Um, but I don't think Laskoff is going to be able to keep Joe Smith off of him or necessarily hurt him. I don't know if Joe Smith stops Laskoff, but I edge slightly towards Joe Smith in this fight. Okay. I, I like um, 
I, I like Joe Smith, and I agree uh, with everything Ty said. The problem I had with Joe Smith was his hands and how he threw them. And it may sound crazy, but he all he threw everything at at, at fastball speed. Everything. Yep. He throws jab fastball. Everything. And what he's learned to do, to me more than anything, to vary his his the speed and timing on his punches. Um, he would throw. He did. You're right. He, and, and, and really, and I really saw that in the uh, a lot of Alvarez fight, the the, the knockout. And, and and I'm granted a lot of Alvarez. I didn't think he caught the best version of Alvarez, but he still caught a guy you know who was credible enough. And Alvarez is dangerous. Um, Joe Smith, his weakness is feet. Boy, if somebody can move, then then they're gonna if they can move, then Joe Smith is going to have a problem. Because one thing Joe Smith does, he's going to come straight at you. And even with the punch variation and anything, he's coming straight at you. I haven't seen Joe Smith really cut the ring off on guys exactly effectively. He's a guy who, you know, with Jesse Hart, Jesse Hart did not want that contact. As simple as that. I saw the whole fight, and they came from the steel exchanges, and Jesse said, I'm not going to stand in there to let anything go against Jeff. And Joe was pretty satisfied with that. He didn't really try to cut the ring off on Jesse. He was bagging rails that way. So, I, but Joe Smith, he got outboxed by Sullivan Barrera. I like Sullivan Barrera. But Joe Smith, if you can move an inkling and throw jabs and things, Joe Smith has problems. And mm-hmm. guys all can do that. I mean, now mm-hmm. at which level at this way, you don't, I mean, it takes a punch from Joe Smith. If Joe Smith lands a punch, that could be a problem. Um, if Glassoff is disciplined enough not to seek any exchanges, or if he's lucky enough not to get caught, he, I think he could, he could kind of box his way easily to not easily, but I think he could box his way to a win on Jeff, a clear victory at least on the call. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, uh, Bob, what do you think uh, is going to happen between Jake Paul and uh, Ben Askins' fight? Oh, my God, I'm talking about my favorite guy again. Uh, I know this guy. You know, I was looking it up, and, it, like, they, they mentioned him as an Internet sensation. Okay, I've been oh, alive geez. before the Internet came out, and, like, I've never heard of this dude until I started boxing. Okay? <laughs> so I just damn this dude. But anyway... Uh, we've, we've covered that. Um, apparently, he got his start back when his brother fought some dude. Uh, and then he got into boxing, and it was uh, two brothers against two other brothers. He beat the younger. His older brother lost to the other one, and he was trying to get to him. But anyway, enough about this Jen, uh, Jake Paul. Ben Askren, great wrestler, came over from uh, Bellator to the UFC, got picked up, and then got sent against Jorge Masvidal, and just got kneed in the face and was mm-hmm. over. So, um, and I, and I was looking that up today. Apparently Askren retired like a month or two ago. He just gave it up, quit, quit MMA, said he, you know, he's just, just done. So oh, yeah, he, had, he, had, he had a hip surgery. <laughs> yeah. I had knee surgery. Yeah, yeah, he, still got it back in there. I don't want to hear it. No, yeah. Yeah. You he, know? Had a, he had a hip, he had a hip replacement. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah they all years old or something. I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. have, go in there when you've got double knee replacements at 40. You know, oh, then I'm impressed. Well, <laughs> yeah, you're basically fighting on your knees at that point. <laughs> but anyway, they're set. I love Ben Askren. I love Ben Askren. Ben Askren, to me, is, is one of the wittiest uh, guys in MMA. I thought he's been he's just always made me laugh. And I, and I always thought it was funny that, you know, he could be so dominant um, with absolutely no striking. Um, then he right. went to the UFC, and I remember the fight with Robbie Lawler, and I was just really impressed with his toughness and his dog determination. Um, and then, obviously, the uh, the, the um, Ben Atley, Hori Masvidal block will happen. Um, right. And his last fight was against uh, Damian Maya which was a tremendous grappling oh, match. They just grappled. It was a, a tremendous grappling match, but you don't grapple with Damian Maya. Eventually, he choked him oh, oh. out. Um, love Ben Askren. Love Ben Askren. But in a boxing match, um, I, 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 hate, I hate this. Um, but this Paul kid knew what he was doing when he offered to fight, when he challenged Ben Askren. He didn't challenge Robbie Lawler. He challenged Ben Askren. Why? Because... He's going to knock Ben Askren today. He's going to knock Ben Askren out. He's going to beat Ben Askren's ass. Ben Askren's a tough kid, so I'm not so, you know, maybe he lasts the distance, but he's going to get beat up. not going to go well to Ben Askren. That, that's my opinion. I hate to say it. I've never – I can't think of any time in life I've hoped to be more wrong, but I think that's <laughs> what's going to happen. Right, and I'm right there. 100% agree. I mean, unfortunately, this Jake Paul character has got – the skills to beat Aspirin. Aspirin's not a good striker to begin with, but he thinks because he's been in some fights and he's tough that he can you yep. know, take all the punishment that this this Jake Paul's but you know can dish out and he still somehow win. I, I don't I, I don't want Jake Paul to win, but unfortunately he has the tools to do so. Yeah, um, I mean, there's this whole mythology too. There's this myth that. Because you can take a shot, you're taking shots from MMA fighters with four-ounce gloves, that you could take a shot from a boxer with, with 10-ounce gloves. And, 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 and that's not accurate. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's not accurate at all. So, yeah. uh, I think Ben's in trouble. I really do. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I think ben, has a, ben can win this fight. Ben has a path to win. And simple as this. Ben is more of a fighter than Jake Paul. And if Ben could neutralize that, the boxing aspect, and ugly it up, meaning stop at this, nothing from distance. Ben, come in with your head down and move your head however you got to get in without getting the clock like that, get in. And ball him up against the ropes. And you just, just, just go everywhere. Hit him everywhere. Do everything. Because Jake Paul, on the inside... I'm going to bet nine out of ten he's not going to be able to do too much to, to Ben Askren skin to skin when they're mm-hmm. inside fight. Um, if Ben could do that, and maybe for a round and a half, he'd tie Jake Paul out. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's getting the guy tied, and now he's not as effective from outside. But as long as Ben doesn't eat that, you know, or pose with him or try to, you know, come in straight up like Nate Robinson did, it's Ben. Or come in straight up like, or or come in straight up like Ben Askren does. 
she fought the former Nina Asaroff, who is now Nina Nunez, uh, Amanda Nunez's wife. Um, she okay. fought her. Nina hadn't fought in about 18 months because, you know, uh, her and Amanda just had a baby, and she was she was pregnant. Um, oh, wow. This was her fight. In, yeah, this was her fight in nearly two years, but she was still ranked, like, in the top six in strawweight. Uh, or flyweight, um, you know, because she's an incredible fighter. She's a good fighter. Uh, she's one that people try to take down because she has good striking. Mackenzie Dern got her to the ground, and you know, Mackenzie Dern is the jiu-jitsu wizard, and uh, right. eventually secured an uh, armbar. Um, very impressive performance uh, for Dern. But, again, Inez is coming off a, like, 18-month layoff, and obviously, you know, had just had a baby. Yeah, I just saw her. I was looking in the rankings too, and I was like, I didn't. I, so I didn't know that Amanda and her got married, and she changed her name. I, I was just kind of thrown off. So that that, that explains me off too when they announced her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, well, guys, we're just about uh, up on our hour here. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on. As always, uh, well prepared. Z, I know this was a struggle for you tonight, but. Uh, not feeling well, so uh, we really appreciate that. Bob, always appreciate your uh, your input, and in um, I hope that uh, next time you're out fishing, you'll be able to get something other than the uh, blue shirt. <laughs> That's all. That, that was my pier fishing. So far, I've got I've got like a a five inch fish or whatever, and a blue polo shirt. If anybody's missing a blue polo shirt, Oceanside, California. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. God bless. Thanks, bud. Take care. Have a good weekend. Uh, Z, you want to lead us out? I sure do. Another wonderful show. I want to thank Bob, Ty, you, Butch. These shows are definitely a memory of Bob, Coach Mel, and Dr. Chris. And if anyone wants to hear any fighting words, please do call. Good. Ty? Bob is our co-pilot. Coach Bell is watching over us. Dr. Chris keeps us laughing. Uh, great being on with you guys. Everybody have a great week and be safe. Great. Uh, this was a, another great show, and I really appreciate all the input that you guys put uh, each and every week. Um, yeah, well, as we're getting to, the, to that uh, anniversary date of uh, actually Mel and Bobby, Coming up very shortly, and uh, sure miss uh, Miss Chris uh, each and every day. Uh, he and Dr. Ron and I get uh, jawing some mornings and just start talking about stories of, uh, that we know of, of Chris. And it just uh, at, by the end of the end of the uh, end of the call, there's tears running down my my uh, face from laughing so hard. But uh, he was something. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every day of the week with grateful appreciation. The men and women of the United States Armed Forces, men and women plant, police and fire services, and the great people out there, the first responders, the doctors, the uh, nurses, the uh, auxiliary people at the hospital, and the first responders that are keeping us safe from COVID. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcat. Sergeant Thomas Bainger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Henler, Lieutenant Mike Zerber, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Amarco Crispin at Lakeland PD, 
Chief Al Ogle, Longwood Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Mazzaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrolman Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper, Trooper Chelsea Richards. Florida Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Cotloff. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Rodney Bond, Delaware uh, State Police. Uh, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Ardeth Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FDLE Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio. Delaware State Trooper Stephen Ballard. Corporal Stephen Bauer, Kissimmee uh, Patrol Officer Matt Baxter, Kissimmee Sergeant Sam uh, Sam Howard, Captain Matt Laterno, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill Gentry, Holly Island County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerba, Newcastle Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, LA County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Abel Rod- Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Sergeant Brian LeBake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, and Deputy Mike Pinellas, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the rose rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields, and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the palm of his hand. Good night, God bless, and have a great week. Shemarek ma'ilamach Shemahezahilmach Suna shenevoratfet Hakuigaget ma'ilamach
Thank you. 